0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. In connection with the sermon this afternoon, we'll read together from two passages of the New Testament. First of all, from Luke chapter 11, where, as Luke presents the gospel of Jesus Christ, he deals with the matter of Jesus' teaching on prayer, and specifically about the Lord's Prayer, as it's come to be known. So first then, from Luke 11, the verses 1 through 13. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, "'Lord, teach us to pray,' just as John taught his disciples." He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we'll turn also further in the New Testament to... Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia, Galatians chapter 3. Begin reading at verse 26 through to 4 verse 7. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we lived in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to, receive, to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. Our text this afternoon is the Word of God as it's summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 45, question and answer 116. This begins the section of the Catechism on Prayer. It begins with this question, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give His grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly, and with heartfelt longing, ask Him for these gifts and thank Him for them. Beloved brothers and sisters of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are, I would dare to say, pragmatic people. The general feeling, sense, impulse of our larger culture is one of pragmatism, being pragmatic. We like to know the how-to of things. Beyond simply going to the Home Depot where you can find the how-to people, we want to know the how-to of many things, including even prayer. In fact, If you were to look at the titles of a lot of popular books on prayer, books that it seems most people are reading about prayer, you'd find that this is especially true of prayer, that we're really focused on the how to, how to do it. And you can find books that teach you different ways of of how. I browsed a couple of books this past week, and they talk about power prayers and breath prayers and prayer walking and prayer streaming, simple prayers, one-minute prayers, Even prayers for when you're mad, etc. For every situation, a how-to guide for prayer. And the how-to of prayer is really important. In fact, that was, of course, the question that the disciples asked of Jesus. Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus didn't scoff at them. He didn't say, well, that's not important. No, that's very important to know how to pray. And then he taught them what we know now as the Lord's Prayer. All that being said, however, in this first question and answer of the catechism section on prayer, we're going to have to leave the how-to section until the next one. Really, there's two ways that you can go from any point when you're looking at a topic. You can ask the question, how to? How do I do it? Or you can go the other direction and you can ask, why? Why should I do it? Why can I do it? That's the direction that we go today. Consider the why of prayer. And this is a good thing to do. This is a good order because the why of prayer informs gives the basis and the foundation for the how to of prayer the why of prayer is based in our relationship with the triune god father son and holy spirit the why of prayer why can we why must we why do we pray is because we are god's children god's children Pray. Prayer is the privilege of God's children. That's our theme this afternoon. Prayer is the privilege of God's children. We'll see the need for relationship, that that relationship between God and us is the foundation for prayer. We'll see the need for thanks in this relationship and also the need for asking. First, the need for relationship in prayer, which is the privilege of God's children. Of course, the relationship aspect of prayer is is fundamental to prayer itself. Prayer is a Christian activity. As I listened to the sermon this morning, as Pastor Vischer speaks about how Jesus is the way to God, that is so true for prayer as well. Through Jesus... And through prayer in His name is the way to God. A prayer in the name of anyone else or a prayer without Jesus Christ is simply not possible. Prayer is a Christian activity. Where there is this communication between us and God, there is that relationship. If God were completely detached from us, then we would not be able to pray. If God couldn't communicate with us, then we wouldn't be able to pray. Then our prayers would be meaningless. Babble. If God couldn't communicate. Considering that possibility makes you shudder. Imagine if you couldn't pray to God. Imagine if your prayers were powerless and without effect, if they went up and then they just came back down again. Imagine if God couldn't hear. But God can hear. And He does hear our prayers. And this relationship aspect of prayer is right there in the prime example that of prayer that Jesus gave gave to His disciples in Luke 11. As we already said, the disciples come to Jesus and they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. And what is the first word of that prayer that Jesus teaches? Father. Right there. Relationship. Father. And Jesus goes on in that passage to work out this more with the analogy to human fathers. In most situations, Jesus says, of course... He knows about those situations where this does not happen that would grieve him. But in most situations, Jesus says, a father looks out for the well-being of his children. Which of you fathers, if your son asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? It's ridiculous. No father, no loving father, caring father would give his child a scorpion rather than an egg. If you, then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You are sinful fathers, Jesus says. I acknowledge that. You acknowledge that. We all know that. And yet you would gladly give your children what is good for them. Well, how much more would the perfect Father, the compassionate and Holy God, respond to us when we ask Him for what's good for us? Of course He'll respond. But in uncovering this relationship aspect of prayer, we can go further along this line of asking why, why we must pray, and we can even ask, why can we pray in the first place? What right do we have to communicate with the supreme God of the universe? How can we come before Him with our requests? How do we know that He understands us when we speak? Well, we can communicate with God, we know, because God is a God who communicates Himself. He is the God who from the very beginning has communicated. He communicated this world into existence. He spoke, and it came to be. And even before He created this world, we need to realize, God was a communicating God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all living in in perfect harmony and perfect communication with each other. Those lines were always open. God, even amongst Himself, is a communicating God. When God created us, when He created Adam and Eve, when He creates us, He made us in His image. And part of that image, those aspects of God's character that we possess, is the ability to communicate. In a similar way that God speaks, we are able to speak and communicate, make ourselves understood, and therefore also to pray. This is why we can communicate. But you realize that this is not really enough. Because created in God's image, though He was, that communication for us has become subject to sin. Adam and Eve had open access to God in the garden, but after the fall into sin, they were removed from the garden, removed from that perfect communication to God. In fact, sinful, unrepentant people cannot, do not communicate with God. And even sinful, repentant people sometimes find it hard. but yet we can come near to God. How is that possible? Well, it's because of the very relationship that we have with God, because He is our Father, because we've been redeemed by His Son, and because the Holy Spirit renews us and restores us to be able to come to Him in prayer. You see all of this happen in One verse in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. You might want to turn there for a moment. Galatians 4, verse 6. We'll dwell on that verse for a little bit. Galatians 4, verse 6. Paul here isn't talking about prayer specifically. He's talking about the inheritance that God's children have, the inheritance of sons. And in verse 6 he says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Paul's talking about the inheritance that we have as sons, and we should realize there that this isn't being uh, sexist uh, sons over against daughters, but for the Jews, sons had the better inheritance. That's what Paul's talking about here: the the better, the greater inheritance, the inheritance of of sons. God gives us this inheritance by adopting us as His children. He gives us that inheritance of sons. It's that that's made possible through faith in Jesus Christ. And then prayer, we see, becomes a profound part of that new reality. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, the the true and rightful heir, right? The the true Son of God. And He sent Him to die for us so that through Him we might become heirs. We might have the privileged place that He has. And because we have this new status of, of beloved Son, heir of all the blessings of God, we get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit allows us to, to come to God in a profoundly intimate way, though before we were like ignored, not ignored, slave, orphan children, not belonging. Through Christ, God brought us near gave us the Spirit so that we can come near to Him in the most intimate way imaginable and say to Him, Abba, Daddy, Father. We can pray because God brings us near to Him as His, his children, His beloved children, as much as God loves His Son, Jesus Christ. So He loves and accepts us as His children. He hears us when we call to Him. You see how prayer is so closely connected with salvation. God saves us, draws us near to Him, and makes prayer a reality for us because of the atoning death of Christ, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, because of our restored relationship with the Father, we can draw near to God in prayer. And He hears us, and He loves it when we do. And so you realize that this possibility that we can pray to God becomes the necessity of prayer. Who wouldn't take time to spend with their loving Father? Who is the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth? What child wouldn't use their open and free access to the throne of, of the Almighty King of the world? Sadly, many of us do. In different ways, neglect this privilege that we have as, as God's children. We reach for things on the top shelf of life, trying to get it on our own, not realizing that we can ask God, our Father, to get it for us and bring it to us. We feel like we need to reach out for the Spirit, or we need to reach out for wisdom or guidance, or, or help or comfort. But God is our Father. He's ever wanting to hear our requests and grant them. Because we're His beloved children. We need to grow in our understanding of God's love and grace. And by doing that, we will be drawn more and more to believe in and express prayer. As much as God is our Father, and Jesus Christ is our Savior, and the Spirit is our Counselor, so much must we pray, because we can. We need to pray, and as we see here, this prayer is incredibly important for our thankfulness. We need to thank God. The Catechism talks about the need for thanks when it talks about the thankfulness that God requires of us. And if you think about that for a moment, you realize that that seems a little strange. Can God require something of us that ought to be done willingly? We ought to want to pray, and yet God requires it of us. What's the point of of prayer being thankfulness if it's forced, as it might be interpreted here? Well, first of all, we need to realize that this isn't the first thing about our life of thankfulness that the Catechism has made this assertion about, that we must do it. All the way back in Lord's Day 32, the Catechism asked us, since we have been delivered from our misery by grace alone through Christ, without any merit of our own, why must we yet do good works? And The Catechism's brilliant answer to that, of course, was, well, because of Christ. Because Christ not only redeems us, he also restores us to, to give thanks to God, to do good works for God. We need to avoid the temptation of thinking that Christ's work on our behalf is like His writing a ticket for us into heaven, that we should stick in our spiritual pocket until we show up at the gates of heaven and we can cash it in there. That is not what Christ's work Is It does bring us into heaven. It opens the way to eternal life. But it makes possible a relationship with God even now. And it strengthens that relationship. And Christ gives us all the benefits of that relationship. Which includes prayer. Prayer is a fruit of Christ's work in us and for us. Prayer is a part of of sanctification, of, of making us holy. In response to justification, God's declaration that we are holy. Since we have been redeemed, we must pray. And we must thank. If we have been redeemed, how can we not thank? And if we don't show thankfulness, then of course we show ourselves to be unthankful. And ungrateful. But the key to growing in this grace and growing in our, our gratefulness to God isn't to whip ourselves for our ingratitude, make, saying that we we should feel so terrible because we don't pray enough, if that's true for your life, thinking that we need to do more. God will not be able to accept me unless I, I pray more. I need to spend more time. I need to pray better, deeper. God's not going to be happy with me unless I pray more. No, that's not how it works at all. Prayer does not earn God's favor. Prayer is a response to God's favor. So if your prayer life is the neglected orphan of your relationship with God that never gets any time or attention, then what we need to do is to get busy Understanding God's grace. Comprehending the the love of God that would send His Son to the cross for us, to bring us near to Him. We need to grow in our understanding of the grace displayed in Jesus Christ through whom God made us, us, people like us, His children. This will result in prayer. So prayer is thankfulness. And prayer, as the Catechism says, is in fact the most important part of thankfulness. Is that true? Well, yes it is. It is because prayer is thankfulness itself. It's at the very heart of a proper response to God for the gift of His grace. A young boy is having a bad day. It's his birthday, and he started thinking that this birthday was all about him. And so, in his selfishness, he started to be bossy to his sister, thinking he was in control of her, He started being disrespectful to his parents, he started to show off to all his friends at his birthday party, until finally his parents had had enough, and told him that the party's over. Your friends are going home, and you're going straight to your room, young man. You're going to your room without the present that he's been waiting for all day. What's going to be the response of that young boy later that night when his parents come to his room? Sit down on his bed with him and give him his gift. Is he going to jump out of bed and, and, and run downstairs and start doing the dishes to, to make it up to his parents? Is he going to tell them, you just wait, I'll show you that I'm worthy of this gift? Is that what his parents want him to do? No. They want him to climb up into their lap, give them a big hug and say thanks. Thank you. What will we do in response to the indescribable gift of God's Son, of Jesus Christ? What will we say in response to the gift of His Spirit who enlivens and empowers us? Just say, thank you. Prayer is... Thankfulness. It's a response to God's free grace in Jesus Christ. But as the needs continue, we not only need to thank God, we need to ask God as well. And now finally, we come to the asking, which is really, in a sense, what prayer is all about. Perhaps this seems like a bit of a backwards way of explaining prayer. Most of the biblical words that express prayer are words that express asking. And if you look at the Lord's Prayer, you'll realize that it's full of petitions, which are requests, which are things that we ask God for. Lord, may your name be hallowed. May your kingdom come. May your, may your will be done. Give us our food. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from our sins." But this asking, we realize, is is itself a part of thankfulness. What this means is that we never come to God standing on our own rights and demanding anything from Him apart from the saving work of Jesus Christ. Hear that right. I'm not saying that we aren't allowed to come before God and stand on our rights and ask Him for things. That's what prayer is. But we never do that apart from the work already done by Jesus Christ by His saving work. That is the very privilege of prayer itself, to be able to stand on the basis of what Christ has done for us and present our requests to God. The grace of God in Jesus Christ opens up the possibility for us that we can actually go before the Almighty God of heaven and earth and ask Him for what we need when we ask Him, remember that we are asking the living God for whom nothing is impossible. Nothing, some things are impossible for God. He cannot sin, but for whom many things are possible. When we ask God, we're doing what God wants us to do. In a way, it's true that God doesn't need to hear us ask for what we need. He already knows what we need. But God wants to hear us ask. He loves to have us come to Him with our petitions and requests. He's ever stooping down to hear our our pleas and weakness. It was striking to me as we sang Psalm 116 that the psalmist says, verse 4, "...for when brought low..." In Him I found salvation. Not as I reached up to the heavens, but as I was brought low. God is ever stooping down to hear our cry of distress. He wants to hear us. He delights in seeing the fruit of Christ's work in us in the things that we ask for. And then, so when we're asked, we're called to believe. Ask God and believe that He will answer What's this about? This is about praying in line with God's will. It's not about manipulating God to suit our own whims. God is unchangeable. People talk about praying big. Praying big things and believing and then, and a then God must answer. He can radically change your life. Well, that's true. God can do big things. God is a God that does big things. But it's all about what those big things are. Because if we were to pray and to ask God for something that was horrible, that was, was wrong, even if we believed in that, He wouldn't answer that prayer in a positive way. He wouldn't grant that to us if it was no good for us. We couldn't force God to grant our wish. no. Praying in faith, praying and believing is about more than just trust because faith has content. And that content is revealed to us in scripture. Faith seeks understanding according to that scripture and thus faith, as it calls to God in prayer, seeks to come ever closer to God's will and purpose. As Christ's work works in you, forming your heart, teaching you more about God and what God loves and what God is doing, then more and more you begin to pray for those things, things that God loves and things that God is doing, asking that God would grant that also for you, what He reveals on the pages of His Word. Praying in faith is about praying in relationship to God, as His beloved covenant child. What child would be at, would would ask their parents, their father, what their father would be paying to give? The more we grow closer to God, the more our desires are transformed. The more we put on Christ, the more we want and ask for the very things that God will be pleased to give us, pleased to give us, because we are His beloved. Children, let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this profound privilege that we can draw near to you in prayer. We pray that you would grow in our hearts that your will and love and grace would would so impact us, overpower us and change us, that we would more and more love to draw, to come into your communion and fellowship in prayer. Thank you for the work of Jesus Christ that we can stand on. Thank you for your spirit, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.